So the Old Testament reading is taken from 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at, people look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of, the, of, horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider 
whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the word of the Lord. Father we, Father, we pray that you will go on speaking your word to us, your living word of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you this evening. And uh, we're just, I'm just sort of hooking in, aren't I, uh, Jonathan, to your, uh, to your series on, on, on Luke. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the way Vicar Street bishops, they, they give him a pretty tough reading uh, here. Jonathan has reserved some of the hard sayings, as they're often called, of Jesus. Um, and uh, very much about the, um, uh, the, the cost of discipleship, uh, the cost of choosing to follow Christ. I, I want to spend most of, of, of my time uh, uh, on, on that theme or at least to begin with it, alongside it, I thought we might have this reading from um, 1 Samuel, which also tells us about the grace of God choosing us. Those two narratives of us choosing to follow Christ and of God choosing us to be followers of Christ. We do have some hard sayings here um, about, uh, pretty bluntly, isn't it? Um, hating father and mother um, in order to follow Christ. Carrying one's cross, and we know what happened to Jesus when he did that. And um, giving up all our possessions. When you pack up your house, you realize how many possessions you've got, and you think, I should have given up some of these earlier. Um, what I thought I would, would do, I, I'll, I'll return to, 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 to those sayings directly at the end, but uh, may I say something about my own coming to faith, and also my own coming to commitment, um, and they were slightly different, really. Um, the, the commitment was something about counting the cost of, of discipleship. I was quite young uh, when I came to faith. Um, I was about, well, I was, I think, 11 years old. Um, uh, you, um, you, you said 
um, that you went on, on this uh, camp over the summer. I was also away on, on a camp. Um, and it, was, it became a very important time for me. A psychologist would have had a field day because I, I, I was a, a young boy who... I knew my father loved me, but I wondered whether he really loved me and whether he loved me as much as he loved my older brother. And I thought I knew my older brother liked me, but I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> and uh, and um, I always felt, you know, that I was rather inferior. Um, well, I went away on this um, camp, um, and it was there, really, that I, I heard the, the, the Christian story, the, the gospel of which we've been singing. One of those songs, uh, Eleanor, it's just a wonderful song, isn't it? It sort of tells the whole faith. Um, that, that's where I heard it. And uh, it was gently, but, um, but, but really sort of authentically explained by quite an elderly man, actually. But he so shone with this faith. And, and I began to hear about God as my father who loved me infinitely and Jesus, my older brother, you know, who, who would do anything for me and had done anything for me. And, and it became very real. And I, um, with the help of the former vicar of, um, uh, of St. Paul's, Norman Warren, who wrote that lovely little book, Journey to Life, Into Life, I use a prayer at the end of that, and I prayed that Jesus would come into my life um, and be in my heart. It was real and genuine, but I also remember getting on the coach to leave, and, um, and it was then I thought, uh, uh, th something really big has happened here, and I believe this, but I can't do it. I can't do the following. Um, I knew I was going to a new school, and I knew that the cost of the following and the cost of the believing would just be too much. Uh, and so I deliberately, I can remember looking at the campsite and thinking, I wish I could stay here, but I'm going back, and I've just got to leave what happened to me here, there, as it were, here. I've got to leave it here. <coughs> Um, so I didn't tell anyone about anything that had happened. Um, I went to my school. I knew it would be a very inhospitable place. This was back in the 1970s, last century. Um, uh, the country was generally more Christian, I think, then, but not in my school. Um, I, I remember these were the days when uh, year, what were we, year 11, I suppose. Yeah, you would call it, no, no, year 7, year 7. Wait, do you remember these? Anyone remember the Gideon's Bible? Well, I, I was quite pleased to have my Gideon's Bible, and I actually put it in my top pocket. But every, I mean, not everyone, but almost everyone threw it. I mean, the whole playground was full of, of these just after we had given, been given them. And, but I, I did hold on to mine. A and for the next few months, I felt God holding on to me. And then I went away on another of these um, camps. Uh, Easter it was. It was a house party. And I heard, I heard it all again. And it was at that point I said, okay, you win. Um, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this no matter what it costs me. 
I'm going to do this no matter how much it disrupts my relationships. Um, my father didn't really like God very much, maybe for good reason. His mother died when he was five years old in a German um, air raid in London uh, in the First World War. Um, I knew that would be difficult. Um, I, uh, I, I knew there would be a cost to, to walking with Christ. Um, and I knew that that would affect everything, including even then, possessions. Um, I, I, but I decided it was, it was then that you know, I was ready to, um, to, uh, to carry, well, I suppose to, to walk with Jesus, to do the following. Um, and as I was thinking about this sermon, I couldn't help but think of uh, one of the great uh, martyrs, really, of the 20th century, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who wrote a book, at least in the English translation, has the cost of discipleship. Um, and uh, it is an extraordinary book. Um, in German, it's called Nachfolger, which simply means following. This is what it means to follow. Bonhoeffer did follow all the way to death. Um, He's got, he has these extraordinary lines in it. When, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids them come and die. Wow. Um, and then later, um, it is he whom the disciple finds as he lifts up his cross. I think that was, a, as we lift up our cross, we find, we find Jesus in, in the following. In the following. Um, I, 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 yes, there's much more I'd like to say about him, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold that. Um, so this cost of discipleship, I, um, I hope you've done a bit of the weighing of the cost of discipleship. It's not easy following Jesus through life. Um, uh, and you've come to this point where you're prepared to stand. And I pay tribute to the young people, especially you're prepared to stand um, and say, yes, I'm, I'm willing to do this following. I will be a follower of Jesus. I am a follower, and I'm going to tell uh, everyone publicly I am a follower, uh, no matter what the cost. And, and then, as I say, there's, there's another narrative which we discover, you will discover, and, and I know you have many of you will have discovered this already. There's sort of my story our story, and then there's history, there's his story, God's story. And we see this in a fascinating way with, with, with David, with God's choice of the one who will become King David. Um, you know, the other brothers come before Samuel, and, and he thinks, well, this must be the one, this must be the one, this must be the one. And the Lord says, well, no, we're still waiting to see the one. Uh, and so Jesse, uh, is, uh, Samuel asked Jesse, well, do you have any more um, sons? And he said, well, I do have one. He's young. He's a bit immature. He's out looking after the sheep. I'll bring him to you. And uh, I always still get hung up with, you know, the way it's described, it sort of sounds as if David is this sort of perfect embodiment of humanity, and that's why God chooses him. But no... God chooses him, he's the youngest, he's the most unlikely. 
Um, and, and God chooses this one. Um, and although you have come to this point of commitment and, and weighing up something of the cost of commitment, um, this story of David and the story of all the great followers of God in the Bible, and I think through human history, is, well, God chooses us in our weakness and in our unpreparedness, even though we think we are well prepared for this. God chooses us in our unlikelihood, as it were. And we discover that this extraordinary verse in the, in the, in the New Testament, in Ephesians, beginning of the letter to the Ephesians, God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. That is the most extraordinary statement. And do you see what I mean about the other narrative? God choosing us, God choosing you this day. And here I think we... I try not to be too heavy, but I think we touch on the sort of mystery of God's grace, the mystery and magnificence of God's dealings with us. My, one of my predecessors, um, Bishop Simon, who actually came to faith because he saw after the war people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer in a parish called Dahlem where um, this sort of the church was reborn among Christians who said, we will bear the cost of following Christ even in the conditions of Nazi Germany. We will stay faithful to Christ because there is only one Lord. Uh, Bishop Simon met these people after the war and met those who had not been prepared to pay that price but had come back to a fullness of faith and he, he, he met something extraordinary in, as he says, the community of the forgiven and the forgiving. Um, he, he, his, this book about him is called The Exchange of Gifts. And I, I think something like that is going on today, a sort of exchange of gifts. God respects your dignity as human beings who are... You know, that's what we are as human beings. God creates us to be deciders. And God treats us with this beautiful courtesy. Okay, you decide. God doesn't want to coerce us. But at the same time, God has chosen us from all eternity. And, and as we find ourselves choosing to follow Christ, we, dis we discover that God has been desiring us, drawing us to himself. And maybe there comes a point where we come to what Bonhoeffer would say, we breathe the fresh air of decision. We breathe the fresh air of decision and decide to follow Christ. And it's at that point we discover that God has chosen us. I think it was like that for Jesus' mother, Mary, that she discovered, as she said yes to God, that 
God really had chosen her. Or we come to that point of commitment um, and discover in making that um, commitment um, that, um, that God has found a way for us to make that ourselves and God has empowered us and God has enabled us to make that commitment. Just a few words about confirmation. I think these come together beautifully in, in confirmation. Um, you are confirming your readiness to follow Christ, your baptismal vows, your commitments that you've made at other times, you're confirming that. You're, you're stepping into that space of decision. Um, but also, and this is the other side of confirmation, God is confirming. And, and and I'll be doing that with Jonathan in the name of the church. I'll be confirming that God is here for you and you are his and God's spirit is here for you. And we'll all be confirming as a congregation, you know, you belong here. Not just in this congregation but to this international movement worldwide that's bigger than any other human in, uh, uh, movement in human history. You are in Christ. You are choosing to follow Christ. And you are counted by God as in Christ. The, the, those who have come to be confirmed have, um, have spoken, have written to me a little bit, and we, we had a conversation over tea about, um, about their stories. And, and I, I sensed as I read those and as I spoke to you earlier, that, that there's something about thresholds for all of you in some way, a, th a threshold. Um, maybe it's the threshold into adulthood. Um, you're just sort of, you're getting close to adult. You're, you're, you're wonderful, mature young people. You're just on that threshold of entering. I mean, your parents are going to worry about this because there's, you know, there's still a little way to go, but, you know, it, it's coming. Um, these extraordinary people from Hong Kong, you know, this threshold of this new life in, in, in the UK. Um, deeply inspiring stories. Um, there's others who are going through journeys of life, bereavement, children, the threshold of new stages in family life. Others, the threshold perhaps of um, what it will mean for them in this next stage of life to follow Christ and be involved in ministry. And um, that's another dimension of confirmation, a commissioning for this next stage of your lives as followers of Christ. And three, maybe, last words about those hard sayings. Where Jesus talks about hating this and that, even life itself. The way I've understood that is not so much a sort of even a priority list. God first and everything else, you know, second and third and fourth and fifth. But more Christ in the center. Putting Christ in the center of all your relationships 
actually begins to transform those relationships and you begin to relate to others in the love of Christ. So those relationships are not diminished. Honoring your father and your mother, that continues. You're doing it from the place of Jesus. Giving up one's possessions. Well, some, perhaps some are called, I think, to give up all their possessions. I haven't felt I've been able to do that. We've had five children and I felt I needed to put food on the table. Um, I needed a table to put it on. But I did come to the point, really in my 20s, I think, where I decided I wouldn't be a slave to possessions or to money, but that I would be a steward of what I was given. And that has been, that was, and has been a liberation uh, for me. So these words, they sound hard, but they're words of grace and blessing. And then the carrying the cross. I don't feel how I can say anything about that in the, in, in the presence of these people from Hong Kong, our brothers and sisters who have, you've carried the cross through that experience. and That's deeply humbling. I'm just reminded of Jesus' words, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it just remains by itself. But if it dies to itself, it finds this fullness as new life comes from it and um, discovers, as Larry put it so well, the faithfulness of God in walking with Jesus, in carrying the cross. In, and this is the great challenge of Christian life daily, dying to yourself and living to Jesus. And again, that is a liberation. That is a fulfillment. And so we pray for you all today that um, that uh, cost of discipleship you will discover to be the gift of all that God has for you. And... Um, I, do, I wrote in this little book about um, saying I, I, I'm going to put my entire trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, and it says, and one day I will work for God like Brother Andrew did. That's what I wanted to do. Do you remember that? Uh, and I shall not hesitate to witness and do everything I can to grow stronger in my Christian life. Well, I've not always kept to that. But God has kept to me. And even if at times you feel, well, you're not up for paying the price, cost of discipleship, Jesus has paid the price and God will supply everything you need to follow Christ. And God, as we've heard today, will never let you down. Amen.